Hello and welcome to episode 27 of Beyond the INC, the podcast that slept with your granddaughter and will be dialing your mobile shortly. It's the last edition for a while because Andrew is heading off to somewhere very exciting. Where are you going exactly? Uh, well, uh, I'm flying to Santiago in Chile tomorrow uh, via Madrid and I'm en route to the island of, well, Easter Island in the middle of the Pacific. Ah, a keen big there. Uh, well, I'm not actually sure. Um, population's only about three and a half thousand. But um, if they don't know them, I'll see if I can convert a few one by one. So, to give Andrew a decent send-off, we'll be playing this South American Influence remix and offering up the following treats. With the band starting their European tour this week, we'll be letting you know what's in the set and what had to miss out. We're going to attempt to answer the question of what the next single is going to be and then argue the toss about it for a few minutes or so. And finally, if you've ever wondered about how Jesse feels about being so short or whether Tom will ever cut down on the silk cut, you'd better keep listening. So that's all coming up on today's Daily Mail baiting edition of Beyond the Iron Sea. Beyond the Right, let's jump on in with some news. Keen are playing a huge free gig in London on November the 26th at the Indigo 2, the smaller venue inside the former Millennium Dome in Greenwich. Support will come from mediocre middle-of-the-road acts The Feeling and James Morrison. Yep, and tickets are going to be available from BBC Radio 2's website shortly. And guess what? They're completely free. And speaking of gigs, Keen's record label Island has announced a series of shows to celebrate their 50th birthday next year, May 2009. Yep, now no bands have actually been announced at the week-long celebration just yet, which is going to be held at London's famous Shepherd's Wish Empire. And now, as Chris said, no bands have been announced, but we think it's a good bet that Keen will appear at some point, alongside some of the other famous bands who've appeared on the label, such as uh, U2, Amy Winehouse, that sort of thing. Sugar Bibbs. It'll also be a good chance for them to finally break their duck at this famous old theatre. I mean, we love the venue, don't we? No, it's a lovely venue. Great, just a great place to play. Um, acoustic's a bit dodgy in places sometimes, but uh, just a really spectacular venue. Um, so yeah, um, in, in other news, there's a free track um, which we played to open the show, and that's available now at popjustice.com. Yeah. What was it, Chris? That was the CSS remix of The Lovers Are Losing. Yes, they've taken time out for putting together some crass toss with lyrics about sucking people's art holes to counter up that you know, pretty sweet carnival tinge tune that you heard earlier. Yeah, I can't get enough of it, really, so download we, it yeah, We love that. Um, so, shall we move on to the first proper item of business then, Chris? Let's do that. Hi, everyone. This is Marika. I am inside the Ahoy lobby. The Ahoy is the venue of the second keen gig of this European tour. Yesterday, they've been playing in Antwerp, which uh, was a supposedly a marvelous show but i haven't heard too much details so uh, i'm actually quite curious what they will do how the stage will look like uh, how long the set will be who they will bring along i'm secretly hoping for some strings saxophones and even probably a musical saw i'm hoping for quite a lot but i'll try to lower my expectations in the next few hours it will be tough as i'm quite excited actually um in just a bit i will uh, go and look at the people who are standing in front of the entrance uh, at this moment i am inside the lobby hiding away for the rain as it's pissing down at the moment i uh, actually am qu- quite nervous really because this is supposed to be a report on the gig and i've never done such a thing before so it, if it turns out to be a major disaster uh, i'm very sorry and uh, well uh, sue me what goes on tour stays on tour 
Richard. Hello. How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm all right. Yeah, a bit cold. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, of course you're cold. Yes. You know. Richard, yeah. I'm I've, got, I've, a colder, I've you know? got a little question. I think you probably are. I'm doing a bit of a report for Beyond the Iron Sea, the podcast. I'm sure you've heard of it. Okay. I've I believe I've question. been on it, actually. Yeah, yeah, you've been on it. There was a quiz or something. Yeah. 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 That What's so the question? The question is, when are you ever going to shave again? <laughs> There's your answer. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you very much. My pleasure. Beyond the So, as you can tell from that, the first leg of the Perfect Symmetry Tour kicked off in Belgium this week. We've been eager to see what the setup's going to be like, and the band haven't disappointed us. Uh, Rob, the band's lighting director, has put an awful lot of work into the backdrops and the light show, and some of the photos we've seen look pretty spectacular. Another genius with a beard. There must be a link there. Uh, well, quite. Um, and speaking of which, Richard has a gong set up behind him, which is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, um, surely it can... I mean, the only thing I can really hear it on in Perfect Symmetry is the last, the very, very last note of Love is the End. Um, maybe so it seems, gong solo, maybe? I don't know. It seems it seems a bit crazy to take, take a, such a big instrument out just for one... I, one note? I often take a big instrument out just for one thing, Chris, but I don't get it. The only new song to join the setlist was an acoustic version of Black Burning Heart. While there were welcome returns for the likes of Try Again and We Might As Well Be Strangers. Oh, is it acoustic? I didn't know that. So, was that the track where Richard was playing the Cajun then? The uh, the box, the Portuguese box you sit on and hit with your hands? Like Richard, I've also played a Portuguese box. <laughs> this is awful. It's like Brandon Ross. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll just butt in here and then save this podcast. Uh, we're going to be keeping an eye on the tour as it progresses, and we'll round it up in a podcast when Andrew returns to the Northern Hemisphere. What goes on tour stays on tour. How does it feel to be the smallest, the shortest one of all oh, four? Hang there. on, you're supposed to be nice. That's, uh, it's all right, <laughs> I'm, I'm the only normal size one, basically. Yeah, that's not just what shortest, I said at first. I'm normal, yeah. and they're just freaks. They um, are, yes. Yeah. No, it's all right, it's okay, but at the end of gigs, when we all stand in line, I always do that right. a little bit. <laughs> just stand on your toes, yeah. yeah. A little bit. Beyond the eyes. Okay, let's be serious then. Uh, the first full single from Perfect Symmetry was The Lovers Are Losing, and that came out last week. Um, but I think we can agree that it's been overshadowed a little bit by Spiralling. Completely overshadowed. I mean, while Spiralling's been all over the radio and helping the album go to gold this week, really, uh, The Lovers Are Losing was pretty underplayed, a bit unloved, and has just quietly limped into number 52 in the charts. That's um, uh, the lowest uh, Keen singles ever charted, lowest I think. Lowest ever charting Keen single. Um, meanwhile, I mean, the same week spiralling still up at 23, 24? After 10 or 11 weeks, it's, it's incredible. This, this week it sold more than it's ever sold. Incredible, isn't it? Unbelievable. So anyway, the next single is going to be pretty critical then for the success of Perfect Symmetry in what's going to be a really crowded marketplace up to Christmas. So yeah, we've been having a think about what that single might be. Um, some pretty strong opinions, actually, between the two of us. Um, As always. Um, if you're asking us what we predict right now, I think... I think Perfect Symmetry is logical to bring out as a single. On the album, it's very long, but as we've seen, the band don't have any qualms about cutting things down. Um, Spiralling and The Lovers Are Losing were both cut down for radio, so Mm -hmm. um, cutting Perfect Symmetry down for it to have a full radio release is not going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. The only thing I think that Chris and I would really vehemently disagree about is when. 
Tell, when do you see uh, Perfect Symmetry as a single, Chris? Well, Keen have never had a number one single. The, the highest they've ever got is number three with Somewhere Any We Know. And I think they'd really like a shot at being number one. And, you know, they've, they've said time and time again that Perfect Symmetry is their best song ever. So why not going with Perfect Symmetry? It's got, it's got the strongest chance. So if I was them, I would be thinking about a release around the same time as the arena tour because as we've said you know many times they're going to be playing to a quarter of a million people that's a lot of people who are going to be thinking about Keane thinking about how brilliant Keane are who are going to be listening to Keane who are going to be listening to what Tom says and if Tom says download our single and help us get to number one they've got a really strong chance there so what do you think then Andrew um well uh, let me let me just butt in and say that I think that's nonsense um okay I I think you're right in saying that I think the band would like a number one. Um, who wouldn't? But I don't think it's possible for Keane to pick up a number one single, at least not with a single that comes out after the album. I think that the only chance they've really got is to go in with a lead single before the album's out. And you said they're going to play to 250,000 people. Um, you've got to bear in mind that the people who want to own Keane Records are going to own LPs. They're going to own albums. They're not going to buy singles. They're particularly not in the current climate when you have the whole album at home, they're not going to go out and buy the single. When most people get their singles through iTunes, they might download the B-side, but they're not going to download the, the actual track itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't see any way that they're going to go to number one with a track from this album. Well, you say that, but there are you know various chart rules now where you can bundle live versions of the tracks together. So I, I, it would be possible, as I understand it, for them to... You know, perhaps record versions of Perfect Symmetry from each of the live dates and then sell them on their shop. I mean, Keen at the moment are very big on, on their own little shop. So Direct to consumer. Exactly. So that's what they're all about. Loving the DTC. But, um, um, but, but I think the important thing is that I don't think that they value that enough. I don't think that they would be thinking, let's get people to go out and buy a single to get a stunt number one. Let's get people to go out and buy ten different live versions of the track. They would much rather have people... They'd much rather have 10 people go out and buy the album than 1,000 people go out and buy 10 different versions of the live track from, you know, the whole arena or wherever. You're right, but I mean, most people will already have the album already, if you think about it. You know, the people who are going to be going to the gigs have already got the album for Christmas. On the contrary, I think you're thinking about plenty of people who are going to be going along to the gigs who know the old stuff, who don't have the new record yet. They're going to be playing to an awful lot of people. I mean... We keep on saying it, but out of the 300,000, how many people there do you think are going to actually have perfect symmetry? Well, uh, Coco, the other night, did you did you chat to anyone? Because I certainly know I got talking to um, a couple around me, and, and they had hopes and fears. They listened to the singles off Under the Iron Sea, but they weren't tempted by perfect symmetry. And it's these people that they've got to really reach out to. Hmm. Um, and th- this is why I, I would disagree with your the way that you date it as well. So what is your date then? Well, I reckon, let's look at Perfect Symmetry as being the next single, but I'm saying maybe second week of December, maybe first week of December. Um, What you really want is the track to be out there so that it's all over radio at the start of at the start of the the Christmas run-in. And the reason why Perfect Symmetry would be perfect here is that a lot of people who don't like spiralling or they're scared by the new style Keen, Uh it's a reassuring nod that there is still stuff musically that they will like on this album. It's very—it's the strongest old style Keen song that we've heard, um, and it's got a really big, powerful message. It'll be great on radio at that time of year, and it, it just makes sense. It makes sense to try and sell the album through Christmas, get a lot of new people buying this new record, 
and bring some of the old fans along for the ride. It, it makes perfect sense. But, I mean, I guess you've got your X Factors and whatever, you know, all those Christmas singles. It's, it's a very difficult time to, to get around. But we're talking about singles and albums. You put the single out there not so that people buy the single. It is incredibly hard for some people to grasp this. That you no, put, no, I, you put I a appreciate it. No, 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 not you. Not you. But the, it is hard for some people to grasp that you don't put a single out there so that people buy the single. You put the single out there so that people buy the album. And that is really the important point here, is that you put out the strongest representation of the album at the busiest time of year for album sales, which is December. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I, there was a great quote from Sophie Alice-Bexer, I think, who said that singles are just like little ambassadors who go out there for, yeah. and tell everyone how great the album is. I'm, sure, think you, I'm sure you've told us that quote on the podcast before, but it's a great quote. It is indeed. Um, and generally, I would agree with you, but I think, you know, the opportunity to get a number one with their best song ever is, it's is just... It's not going to happen. I think, I think it's a great opportunity. I, I Honestly, I love your optimism, but there is absolutely no way that Keen are going to get a number one with anything off this album that's not called Spiralling. So how did you see the rest of the singles from the album shaping up then? Well, Spiralling was sort of chucked away. Um, I mean, it was an interesting idea, but it, it genuinely had potential to be a massive, massive single. And it's still going to be thought of as one of the tracks of the year. Um, but from here, I'd say the old style song, Perfect Symmetry, going into Christmas... When the tour comes out, you want the big live song out there. Um, so, again and again. Um, going into the festivals, you maybe want a big anthem. Perhaps Love is the End. And then, assuming that they do, you know, one big show to round it all off, say, next Christmas. Um, maybe, a, I don't know, a, non, a non-album single or something. I don't know. But um, that's how I would see the campaign shaping from here. Well, there's some good ideas there. But, I mean, as we said, I think everyone was caught by surprise about how well Spiralling did. So I, I imagine the whole plan's been thrown into disarray and they don't really know what's going on now. So, to, you know, while I'm thinking that they've got this big, long, you know, 18-month strategy, actually, there's, you know, there's a lot of things that could go either way at the moment, I guess. I think that might be the case, but who knows? Um, so, yeah, um, I guess now it's, it's over to you guys. Um, that's what we think. Um, why don't you guys tell us what you think should be the next single... Uh, out there dominating the airwaves um, maybe you'd like again and again maybe something completely different um, pretend that you're alone if you're crazy um, or maybe uh, you haven't told me anything if you're cool but you can email us at beyondtheinc at gmail.com so if you've got an idea that's different to ours and you guess correctly I'm sure we'll find a way to reward you what goes on tour stays on tour. Anyway. Are you in a, ever going to quit smoking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to stop smoking. I'm not smoking as much as I used to smoke. Uh, so, yeah, that's very good. good. I know it's bad for you. Uh-huh. I love it, you know, and unfortunately, it's very hard to get rid of things that you love. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Thank you. Beyond the We've set up a new multimedia section of the site over at beyondtheinc.com. In addition to a place where you can buy super stylish t-shirts, hint hint, there's a photo gallery with some of our favourite moments from the past few podcasts, including an insight into the squat itself. But most importantly, there is a picture of me, yes me, with a plastic scythe which I found outside Coco just before the Electric Proms gig, and I took it in to act as some form of prop. Yep, it was all over the TV coverage in the end. Could have had someone's eye out with that. Well, I did my best. Anyway, it it got us thinking. What is the most bizarre thing you've ever seen at a Keen gig? Or any gig for that matter, I I, suppose. Have you ever seen anyone in there with, say, you know, like a a huge top hat? 
or a full suit of chainmail, or a bassoon, or something similar. You know that that kind of you know a bit of eccentricity. You know something a bit you know crazy and wacky. Do you remember that person who used to take a rubber chicken to feeder gigs? Um, I don't. But that's that. That is the sort of thing we're looking for. Um, so basically, we want to set you guys a challenge. Um, we want you to find out what is the most bizarre thing that you can take along to a keen show on the forthcoming tour. I mean, this is a long-running competition. Whatever t- whatever dates you're going to, between now and, you know, the end of this campaign, what is the most bizarre thing that you can get into a venue? We want you to send us a photo from the venue with said item to be on the ANC at gmail.com. The best and most odd picture will win an absolutely staggering prize of untold value. And we're not just making up about all these prizes. We will find something. I've, I've got something in mind. I've got something in mind. Yeah, just some words of caution, though. Don't do anything unsafe. Yeah, don't take in anything which you're not meant to. Don't break the rules. No drink, no drugs, no knives. Nothing nothing too illegal. Apart from that, it's over to you. And good luck. What goes on tour stays on tour. Hello, Tim. Hello. <laughs> we are in Amsterdam at the moment. You guys are doing a... Uh, a show this afternoon, an exclusive gig, and it's going to be broadcast uh, in December, I think, on TV and radio. And we've been, we've been uh, speaking to each other yesterday in Rotterdam, and it's been a bit of a mess up on my side, because I was supposed to record it for the podcast, and I just didn't. I was meaning to, of course, but I fucked up. So here we are again. I've been wondering since after the gig, We've been missing one song, Pretend That You're Alone. Mm. You guys love it, the fans love it. Why didn't you play it yesterday? <laughs> well, we just, to be honest, we felt um, the Antwerp gig was the longest gig we've ever done. Yeah, indeed. And um, we, I think we were just worried that it was too long, <laughs> basically. Aww. We didn't want to sort of, you know, because there's a lot of people there, and out of a, when you've got a crowd of 8,000 or whatever it is, I guess, um, you know, we've always worked on the principle that, yeah. you know, you, sh- you should keep things sort of short and snappy. And, and you know, when I go and see a gig, I, I normally get bored after about half an hour. <laughs> I have a terrible attention span. <laughs> so um, for me, like an hour and a half or so is, is a good length for a gig. Um, and, uh, you know, we pretend that you're alone. I, I love playing, but we just wanted to kind of mix it up every night. And yeah. um, we thought, I don't know, I felt like that one didn't get as great a reaction maybe as some of the other new ones on the on okay. the Antwerp night. But I don't I don't know. I mean okay. we're very we just we, we wanted to just mix it up really, I think. And we yeah. uh, It was yeah. a great set. Thank it really you. was. Thank you very much. Yeah. Apart from pretend that you're alone. <laughs> just promise me you will play it next time you come to Holland. Okay. I, c- I can do that, yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to edit it down a bit as well because we've got so many different versions of that song. Yeah. They're all different lengths and uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm not so much of a geek myself. Well, I've got three Macs at home, so I guess I'm a bit of a geek. But uh, I think uh, the Uber geeks among us will be quite interested. Uh, what? How many songs did you use the MacBook for this time? And all the other equipment you're using? Um, well, we use it on all of the songs apart from the acoustic songs just just for um, things like patch changes on the yeah. effects 
the pods which do my piano effects and stuff because it's just too much to do. I don't yeah. have enough hands and feet to, <laughs> to do everything. Exactly. Well, yeah. um, but uh, in terms of actual audio, there's not very much now. Um, it's mainly on the old songs, um, but we've mm. taken a lot of stuff out, yeah. even, even from the old songs. Uh, a lot of the new songs is nothing at all. Um, That's brilliant. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> it, it's you know it's it's, it's funny some of the because uh, of the older songs being written and recorded the way they were. They feel kind of empty without things like this. It's weird, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Um, it's great to be able to improvise. I've been saying it for forever. You guys should just mm. try to get rid of it at some point, maybe. But you know, that's your choice, of course. But (laughs) yeah, no, it's good. It's very liberating. But to be honest, having Jesse on stage is the biggest makes the biggest difference. Anyway, because it just feels much more organic. And you know, and, and the new songs are much more fun to play. Actually, yeah, I, I could really see you guys rocking out and having a good time. It cool. was really a pleasure to watch. Really, I'm yeah. Glad it, glad it comes across. Should well, that's it. Thank you for your time. Thank and you. Good luck tonight, and of course Thank on you. the rest of the tour. And Thank you. maybe we're gonna speak again in the future sometime. I hope so. Yeah. Very happy to. That is it for this edition of Beyond the Iron Sea and, indeed, for the next fortnight. Mm. We'll be back just before Keane returns to the Union Chapel to round up the European tour. And we'll surely find something to argue with each other about in the meantime. Yep, so send in your single ideas, bizarre photos and topless photos to beyondtheironsea at gmail.com. And we'll see you guys very soon. Assuming I survive, of course. Let's hope so, Andrew. Let's hope. Goodbye, everyone.